welcome to another episode of The Two Old Fogey Yogis. Your hosts each week are Swami Shokananda and Reverend Pram, who between us have nearly 100 years of living la vida integral yoga. And that's what makes us Two Old Fogey Yogis. Okay, so today we are going to talk about a very central concept in classical yoga, in Patanjali Yoga Sutra, so so what's sometimes called Patanjali Yoga or Patanjalian Yoga, which is the concept of the kleshas. Now, how did you hear the kleshas defined when you were first studying Patanjali's system? Yeah, they're the essential, the root obstacles of awakening to the truth yes. of who we are. Yeah. Yes, that's what I also heard. Yeah. And then I heard something different. Wait that's a second. It. Obstacle? Nope. Because what do we tend to think? Obstacles are things we want to avoid, right? Like you think of an obstacle course. Okay, what are you trying to do in an obstacle course? Avoid, mm -hmm, right? You're right. going to go around. If we really go deeper into thinking about obstacles, obstacles are not obstacles on the path. They don't interrupt the path. Right. They are the path. Right. Right. They accelerate the path. I mean, that's one of the brilliant teachings that we receive from our guru and that all the moksha traditions talk about is obstacles as their accelerators, their portals that can help you move to the next level of your growth and evolution. So I think obstacles is not the correct translation. Let's hear, what would you call it? I've been thinking of them as obscurations. What's that word mean? So obscurations is something like, it's like think of it as like, it's obscuring the path. It's not mm. getting in the way of the path. Maybe the path isn't quite in focus. In the yoga system, we have these things called vrittis, right? Really, the whole goal of yoga as given by Patanjali in the first chapter in Sutra 2, yoga chitta vritti narodaha. Yoga is the, now, of course, how you want to define narodaha, that's all other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is it the restraint, the constraint, the control, the something we're doing with these vrittis? The vrittis are waves. You can see them. They're on the surface, but kleshas are like riptides. Mm. They're under the surface. Mm. So... Patanjali is giving us a method to work with the kleshas so we can experience the deep level of ourself. Or as he says in Sutra 3, you know, then we're going to rest in our true nature. Okay, so we should describe what the uh, kleshas are, but let's take a look at how Jagannath defines klesha. I, well, I guess if you really want to put it even more in a positive frame, rather than obscuration, they're stepping stones, right? They're, they're the way once you are aware of them, you can use them to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they're all, they're really foundational for understanding the whole basis for Raja Yoga is really, mm -hmm. you know, it gives you 
the view as you know i like to refer to it gives you like what is it that we're trying to do here i guess you could also sort of compare it to how the four noble truths in buddhism they give you an overview of what you're going to get into if you're interested in buddhism it tells you okay what's the problem is there a solution? You know, what's the cause of the problem? What's the solution? And how do you do the solution? Yeah, and yeah. so in a sense, the glaciers, I guess we could say that they they are the map in, in a sense, because they're telling us a bit about what the problem areas are. Patanjali is going to kind of unpack how we deal with those. Right. Okay, so we're referencing Sutra 3 in Book 2. Jagannath talks about the root causes of suffering. Root causes, okay. Yeah, root causes of suffering. And it's very interesting. He lists obstacles, pain, affliction, distress, pain from disease, anguish, wrath, anger, worldly occupation, trouble. He writes, the root causes of suffering, the kleshas, are ignorance, egoism, attachment, aversion, and clinging to bodily life. Now, Mm -hmm. let's see how Gurudev translates that. Okay. Ignorance, egoism, attachment, hatred, and clinging to bodily life are the five obstacles. And here's Gurudev's commentary. Here, Patanjali gives the obstacles, kleshas, which will then be explained one by one in the following sutras. The order is also significant because of ignorance of the self. Egoism is the result of ignorance of the self. And because of egoism, there's attachment to things for the ego's selfish pleasure. Because sometimes the things we're attached to do not come or are taken away. And then there's hatred for those who got in our way (laughs) of getting those things we want. And finally, because we're attached to things and afraid of death, there's clinging to life in the body. Now we have this use of the term obstacles, and that's a common use. You know, we we both learn that, right? Common use. Many of the commentaries and even Gurudev's commentaries written in the 70s. I think today we're living in a different world where obstacles, it it just can become an obstacle (laughs) to think of an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. To think of it in a negative terms. Yeah. Yeah. So what if we thought of it as, okay, it's a subcurrent. It is something that runs underneath human life. If that becomes the foundation for life, these kleshas, that's what leads to suffering. And so Mm -hmm. what do we want to do? We want to bring these to the surface. Well, the kleshas cause the vrittis. They're what feed and seed the vrittis, these, these waves in the mind. All the thoughts that arise are arising out of the kleshas. So let's look at these kleshas one by one, right? So let- before we do that, you know, yeah. one thought just came to me as you were talking because we're trying to reframe the glaciers less negatively. And it made me think of what the term Maya normally refers to how we're deluded. So there's a deluding factor that keeps us bound. But they say at a certain point in our spiritual life, once we have awakened enough, that same Maya is striving to help wake us up. The yeah. same the same Maya that was deluding us to the point where maybe we hit rock bottom, and then is there, is there to help wake us up. 
and maybe the quashes are the same way that they're they're pulling they're the riptide that keeps these vrittis flowing but once you reach a certain point where you know how to make use of these difficult challenging situations they're the things that actually become stepping stones i love that it's beautiful in a lot of the moksha traditions they say that nirvana and samsara are one and the same Mm-hmm. when you have that perspective that you just described mm-hmm. if we can utilize these as tools as muscle building mind strength <laughs> i like that yeah spiritual muscle building yeah, yeah spiritual <laughs> muscle building mind training that's what leads us to this nirvana this awakened state I mean, of being, I mean, that's our true being. It helps us to, yeah, we're clearing out, we're weakening the klesha so we can see ourselves as we truly are, which is nirvana, enlightened beings. I have a question for you then. So how much control do we have to turn the klesha's from something negative to something positive. Can we, is something we can do in your own experience? What, what's your sense of that? That there's all of these obscuring factors yeah. that make it hard for us to remember who we are. Is there something we can do so those same factors are helping us to remember? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, the first thing that tells us that we have some shot at this <laughs> okay, <laughs> is that we're here talking about it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. We're not just rolling over. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, first of all, you know, we wouldn't be on the spiritual path. People listening to us wouldn't even be listening. Right. right. If the clashes weren't a little bit weakened. And so mm-hmm. what we want to do is we want to weaken them even further. And that's why Patanjali gives us first, he gives us Kriya yoga. So that's the first sutra in the second chapter, Kriya yoga, right? Yeah. yeah tapas, Svadhyaya, Ishwara Pranidhana. So, yeah. yeah, those three. And think about it, tapas, which some people have thought, oh, yeah, that means suffering, more suffer, take on suffering. No, it's like when the heat gets turned up, you utilize that as a support for your awakening. Yeah, you, you use those challenges uh, for purification. Yeah. Yeah, for mm-hmm. purification, for spiritual muscle building. Mm-hmm. Then Svadhyaya is the study of both spiritual texts, right? Foundational text in our tradition, uh, whatever your tradition might be, and also self-study. So Mm. it sort of brings in a yana yoga as well into Swadhyaya. And then Ishwara Pranidhana is depending on what your orientation is. If you are a bhakta, devotional, then you'll say it's surrender to God or to a higher power, a belief in a higher power. And also Ishwara Pranidhana is it's a focus on the truth of beingness, Ishwara, mm-hmm. the Satchit Ananda, the essential mm-hmm. nature that is our very essence. So it's like a 
focusing on that. It's an immersion, a surrender to your higher self versus a surrender to your lower self, which is where the Kleshas want to pull us, right? To me, it's interesting that he gives these, these verses first about Kriya Yoga, these three Niyamas. And then he gives the talks about the Kleshas and he's almost telling you, this is the way that he's answering the question. I just asked you, how do you get out? How do you make use of the Kleshas through purification, through study and self-study and through surrender to Ashwada? Yeah. You can, make, you can make use of these things and be benefited by supposedly the obstacles. Exactly. And that yeah. late and later is when he, he brings in, he says, okay, so you begin with this Kriya Yoga and then he expands it into the eight limbs of yoga. Mm later on in the text. Right, yeah. But he's also saying like, there's no yoga without austerity. We need, you know, we need tapas. We need self-discipline. How do we get stuck in this ignorance, you know, <laughs> yeah. avidya, ignorance of the unreal and the real, uh, believing we're body-mind. How, how do we get stuck in that? I mean, that goes back to, you know, then we have to unpack karma, past lives, current life, the reservoir of action, cause and effect, all of that. Yeah, we don't have to go into the why. We can just admit we're, we're in these things. <laughs> How we got there, I don't, we don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as we remain in ignorance, then the Kleshas, uh, they're going to have a good time. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to just proliferate and there you mm -hmm. have more and more suffering. So let's just, again, break down. So the Kleshas, uh, okay. five Kleshas, Avidya. So A ah is not in Sanskrit, anything like, has I, like, I, I, like Ashoka Nanda, uh, Shoka is worry or sorrow, Ashoka, free from, yeah. Yeah, So vidya, vidya, without knowledge, yeah. yeah, ignorance, yeah. Exactly, so Vidya is spiritual knowledge. The knowledge that we're referring to is not like book knowledge, not philosophy knowledge, not- Conceptual knowledge. Conceptual knowledge, yeah. It's knowledge, it's what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. what you really need to know if you don't want to suffer. And that is that you are not this body or mind. Yeah, yeah. That everything changes, right? Mm -hmm. Who we really are at our essence as this Satchit Ananda. That's what Vedanta tells us. Existence, knowledge, bliss. That's our true essence. Pure awareness. However you want to call it. Nirvana, enlightenment, higher self, uh, Atman, um, there's so many names, but that's basically what the vidya we need to get is that mm -hmm. that's really the truth of who we are. If we don't have that, what happens? We land in asmita. Before we go to uh, out of uh, vidya, I wonder, do, do the yanis say there is such a thing as a vidya? Can, can consciousness forget itself? I know we're getting philosophy, no, high philosophy here. No, I mean, the real, the non-dual jnanis will say, no, just don't recognize. Your vidya can be veiled. You're thinking, but, you're thinking that you're not enlightened. Right. So you're not enlightened. Right. <laughs> that's the but only the thing that's keeping you from being enlightened. Yeah, exactly. But the truth is you are. There's, that's why Gurudev used to always say, when people would say, how do I get enlightened? He'd say, you can't get something that you have already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You are already. It's not even having. Yeah. It's not getting, having, not yeah. having. It's being. It, it's your nature. And that's what vidya is. And avidya is failing to recognize that, which mm. then 
is the foundation and puts the whole chain of dominoes. <laughs> right. Boom, right into effect. So the next one being asmitta, because now we've missed what the truth is, right? And who we truly are. We then slip into the next thing, which is identification with the ego self. So I don't know my true self. So what do I know? Uh, I guess uh, my body, mind, this, my limited personality, my ego, that's who I am, right? I think I'm, I have to be somebody, right? I feel I'm somebody. This must be me. This body, mind complex seems yeah. to be me. Yeah. Yeah. So when we think about these two, I mean, they're so intimately connected. Well, they're all the glaciers are so yeah. they're so connected. It's like if you miss Vidya and you're in Avidya, you're falling down the hill. Right. I mean, I think that's just the human condition. We, we're we rolling down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> rolling on down the road. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. As I shared with you before, like when I heard Gurudev speak the first time and he explained Vidya, I mean, he just laid it out. You are not this body, not this mind, immortal self, you are. That was mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. And that really started me on the path. So I think that's how these kleshas then become liberating is because just hearing that from a yoga man, okay, just hearing, you know, you're hearing words from a realized being who has realized what this truth is, who's living this truth, who's, who's modeling this. And yeah, their words aren't just words. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's so multi-layered. It's so alchemic it has yeah. the possibility of, of transformation just in hearing their mm -hmm. words yeah. so he's giving this teaching and that put me on the path for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so now i'm really interested okay wait a second i'm not this body and mind which means asmita i'm not this ego whoa who am i so i start asking those questions right, right. and start getting yeah. yeah getting interested i want to learn more about this was it the same for you? Yeah, I think for me, when the truth of what our guru was telling us started helping me to remember, I think, where I was on the path prior to this lifetime, I think I started getting some a little anxious, which is my nature to get uneasy. And it was a sense that I'm living as this person that, and I don't know how to recognize that that either is not me or is just a very small shadow of me. So when, when these teachings started to become alive for me, I don't know if it's a bad thing or not. I don't think it's bad, but it, it made me uneasy, very uneasy. And I think maybe we need that, that uneasiness to be uncomfortable enough to do something about it. I didn't feel I could be complacent to be living as this individual, separate individual, and to a part of me knowing that, no, no, this is not, this, something is wrong here. This picture, this is not a, the right picture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what it is. It's like things that shake us up in life. The human mind, right. Tends to want to push aside, seek a comfort level, seek the usual norm, try to come back to equilibrium, but it's a, it's a false equilibrium. It's a mayic <laughs> equilibrium. Mm. And so when something shakes us up, whether it's you lose a job, you lose a loved one, you go through some kind of trauma or something unexpected happens. Those are moments that in the wisdom traditions, they say, 
those are portal moments. Mm -hmm. You can go through the portal to what may be a new awareness, a new level of consciousness in a sense, almost like a rebirth. Some yeah. you know, can get pretty dramatic. Yeah. Or you can just retreat even further into a shell from the, this painful, awful world of samsara. And then there, most people, they, are, they may get some awakening from that traumatic experience, but then, then they slip back into the, their old samskaras. Uh, yeah. Temporary viragya. The Tempor temporary, I was just yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, temporary yeah. viragya. Gurudev yeah. used to tell the story, you know, <laughs> the wife who's hitting the husband over the head going, I'm never going to be near you again. This is, you know, she's going through labor pains. She's about yeah. to give birth. You monster, you did this to me. And then she has the baby. She's like, oh my God, I'm never doing this again. And then, you know, a year later, it's like, honey, let's think about, you know, that's temporary. Doesn't he need a brother? <laughs> and we've all seen this, you know, I don't want to put it on like, oh, there's something mad with a pregnant woman. No, no, no. It's yeah. just that we've all been through that where we say, that's it. I learned my lesson. And then kablam, there we are yeah, back again. Yeah. I was telling you uh, last week about my mom. She's in the hospital and she was really in a suffering situation. And next day when I woke up, I was in, I don't know, state of mind. It felt a bit like a funk, but I, 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 don't, I wouldn't put it negative, really. It, it was uh, something around the futility of our life. Yeah. And I was in a member. I was telling you that I, I was thinking that, you know, this is uncomfortable. I should I should get out of this. But mm -hmm. a part of me said, no, no, it may be uncomfortable, but you're tapping into something that life is futile. If you don't make use of it in the right way, if you don't seek something more out of your discomfort, then there is a certain futility. And my mom said to me, she said, now I understand. I may be going now. Now I understand what you've been doing for 50 years, trying to find that something to connect to. Wow. Don't fail me now. Be with me now, you know. And she didn't mean physically because she's quarantined. But she said, you have to be with me now. Don't fail me, Ashok. I'm counting on you to be with me as I move on, you know. Wow. The point I want to make is to, is to reiterate what you just said is that there is a tendency to want to move out of, move away from the discomfort. Yes. And I think the idea of making use of the glaciers is to not push them away, but to take them in more deeply, to go into the, from the vritti to the riptide, from the, from the superficial into the deeper part of your consciousness. And from there, go deeper than that, out of the mental level. That's where the creations become stepping stones. That's where you tap into the liberating power. That's right. It. That's right. Yeah, that's where the power comes from. The power can be used to keep you in darkness or the power can be used to liberate you. Exactly. Uh, you have to decide. <laughs> You have to become mature enough to have a choice about how that power is going to be used. Exactly. The foundation of the teachings, the practice, the steadiness, the keeping this all in mind and in heart and embodied in your whole being, because at the time of death, that's when you're going to meet your maker. What do we mean by maker? What makes you up? what makes your character, what your some scars are. You're going to meet your habits. You're not going to have a body anymore. You're going to be smack face to face with parts of your mind, the subtle mind without the body. So this is the time to really practice and get really established in this stuff. Because it's like your mom said, 
when she said to you, that was so powerful. Yeah. When she said, now I get it what <laughs> you've been doing yeah. for these 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it took a while for her to get it, but yeah. she got it. Though. Yeah. Least she got it. And that's what they say, too, in these traditions, that nothing brings it all into focus Right. Then staring <laughs> at the face of death, you yeah, know, into that abyss. Yeah, yeah. That's when it all the priorities get very clear. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you can be conscious enough. Some people, yeah. yeah, some people are still veiled enough that they they can't make use of that. But my mom had her eyes wide open, wow. and that was nice. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, Huxley took LSD at that moment, so to keep his eyes open, but. Be nice to be able to do that without having to take a drug, you know? Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. want to be as lucid yeah. as possible to remember your guru, to yeah. remember your mantra, to hold on to the spiritual truths that you you want to cling to those. Those those are what are going to catapult you into possibility of complete awakening. And if not that, depending on your samskaras and, you know, all the different things and how thick the kleshas still are, et cetera, et cetera, you have the opportunity for full awakening, enlightenment as you pass out of the body. And if not, you have the possibility of a higher birth if you believe in, you know, reincarnation, all those kind of things. Yeah. But this is when the pedal hits the metal, man. Yeah. There's nothing like a a real near death or traumatic experience or something that is really unexpected that sort of thrusts you like you were expressing when you woke up the next day after talking to your mom that state that you're in says so much about who you are that you could make the conscious choice you saw the pull to want to kind of go unconscious with it and it was a, it was a sunday i could watch some movies i could yeah just were, put this was, out of your mind yeah 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 <laughs> completely just don't think about it it's a bummer a downer whatever yeah but you were in a bardo you were in a gap and those gap moments, I used to feel also very uneasy. Yeah. I similarly recently went through a gap where I was just very let down by someone mm -hmm. and it kind of blew my mind a bit like, wow, I really didn't think that person was like that. And, and I noticed like all this dis-ease that like, kind of like what you were describing, just this yeah. uneasy feeling. And it, I felt like my whole, I don't know, like concepts of reality were shaken up. And, mm -hmm. and then I was also thankfully able to say, I'm in a Bardo. Mm. This is wonderful. Mm. I want to really I kept saying, I just want to juice everything <laughs> out of this experience. Wow, that's a real seeker, Sadhu. <laughs> well, it's it's something also that I learned in one of our episodes. We talk about Buddhist meditation. And one of the things that they so beautifully describe is how the vrittis, which I always thought of as like enemy, get out of here thoughts, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to meditate or whatever, just thoughts. Uh, why can't I just like rest in the sea of peace? They're like, bring it on, man. Mm -hmm, bring mm -hmm. on the vrittis. They just love the vrittis because they say, number one, that's the natural flow of the mind is mm -hmm. to have these thought waves. That's just, 
It's like saying to the ocean, hey, don't move. No. Yeah. The brain thinks. It's like saying to the liver, don't do what you do. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it's the nature of the mind to produce the thoughts. The only problem comes when we cling to thoughts or we push them away or we we start some storyline or next thing we know, we're sailing around. Like Gurudev said, you're, you're meditating. Next thing you know, you're standing in front of a monkey cage. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> feeding the monkey bananas. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so it's not to get carried away by thought. It's like, again, to cultivate the witness in a very embodied, grounded way and to utilize information that you're getting. Hey, I didn't realize I was hung up on that. Mm -hmm. hmm. I didn't realize I had kind of gone down the road with this person a certain way and didn't really understand what they were all about. Wow. Okay. This is good information. So it's like all of this of the so-called obstacles are information. And that's like in meditation, you're first settling the mind and then you're just being open to information that comes through things from the subconscious, things to get cleared out, clashes to make your way through, to thin the veil. Everything is in service of thinning the veils why? Just so we can see who we are. It's all and only about recognition. There's nothing to get. It's just recognition. Yeah. Which reminds me of the, the third and fourth kleshas, which we think are about getting something, right? Mm -hmm. So it's raga, dvesha. They're sort of put together as like this tag team while they're two sides of one coin. Yeah. Raga, desire, you're pulled to something that you want, that's pleasurable, that's comforting, that's comfortable, something that you think is going to help you be happy and joyful forever and ever. And then Dvesha, everything you want to avoid mm -hmm. because it's going to pull you away from your Raga. Mm -hmm. And then you're caught in, talk about a riptide. Yeah, that's a riptide. And that's how most of us live, right? We're running after what we want, running away from who we don't want. And it's a constant running. We don't stand still and just be. Yeah. yeah. And also in that Kriya Yoga Sutra, Sutra 2.1, where Patanjali is talking about tapas, the mm. purpose of discipline, that restraint in life. We always think of discipline as something like getting disciplined mm -hmm. in school the teacher disciplined me yeah yeah <laughs> but discipline can actually be a really good thing even pleasurable yeah yeah because who wants to be at the effect of your own mind right self-mastery yeah. to me is like the pinnacle of self-discipline yeah. who wouldn't want self-mastery yeah the thing yeah. that drives me crazy is not having self-mastery. Yeah, tapas is just brings some order into our lives. Yeah. Uh, uh, instead of chaos, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Discipline gets such a bad rap, especially in the modern day. It's like, yeah. free, let's just be free. Imagine Gurudev's challenge when... Uh, <laughs> when he first came here. <laughs> <laughs> he came, free love, you know, everything was, was like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I was listening to Edwin Bryant uh, commenting on the kleshas and was when he was talking about this very subject of Kriya Yoga and tapas. And he was saying, yeah, discipline is not popular in our culture. But if you reframe it like this, okay, think about it. If you are led by desires, you're bound by them. 
You're mm -hmm. imprisoned by them. Discipline actually sets us free. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So that's Raga Dvesha. In Buddhism, they say that this particular incarnation in a human body is actually an incarnation into the realm of desire. That's the nature of it. So imagine trying to get the heck out of that. Yikes! The Gita uses a term called titiksha. Krishna says to Arjuna, you know, there's going to be heat and cold, pleasure and pain, gain and loss. Mm. Hold yourself steady and be patient with them. Patiently endure them, he says. Patiently mm. endure them. So wow. that, to me, that's... That's this idea of using attraction and repulsion and finding the way to make it into an austerity, a tapas that's purifying for us. And something about enduring with patience, not shaking, not running after the thing, not running yeah. away from the thing, yeah. standing your ground and seeing how the mind can become stronger. Otherwise, if we keep running towards in a way, our mind gets so hypersensitive Everything disturbs the mind. We're always, uh, we're always on the verge of being upset. You know, uh, <laughs> so true. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. So I'm getting a little better at that. I just see this nature to run, run toward, run away, not want to be out of my comfort zone. It's yeah. so, it's so stressful to be afraid out of your comfort zone. Uh, so true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's so much, you gain so much freedom by being more relaxed about recognizing that my real growth is outside the comfort zone. It's not in the comfort zone. All right. Yeah. And it seems so paradoxical though, doesn't it? It like would seem like, well, it makes sense that your most growth, happiness, this, that would be in your comfort zone, right? You're comfortable. It turns out it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Any goal that you have, let alone a spiritual goal, takes willpower. Look at scientists sweating in the lab. Look at Olympian athletes. <laughs> yeah. It takes discipline and focus. We know this in mundane life. Now, why do we assume in spiritual life, eh, no problem. We don't need any discipline. If you, yes. really, if you really give up every other support that you know yeah. what you're running after isn't going to make it, what you're running away from isn't going to take it away from you. If you really know that I have no support but this, and that that's a lifetime's work. Oh gosh, that is that could be several lifetimes. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. If you if you even have a thought about that, that means you spend several lifetimes getting to that place to think that, you know, I think I should have just one thing and that's it. Nothing yeah. else is going to nothing else is going to nourish me. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to be free of suffering is to encounter our real self. Mm. Patanjali gets us to the root cause of suffering and the way to be free of suffering. Woo! Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. And he was saying about Swadhyaya also that what do we read in these texts like the Yoga Sutras, like the Gita, Upanishad? These sages are giving us a solution to suffering. They mm -hmm. don't want anything from us. They're sharing their teachings. And that's why having faith, even if you don't have faith in a higher power being or any kind of a God, okay, have faith in a tradition. This yeah. is thousands of years of these sages who have gone so deep, have woken up and out of the goodness of their hearts with a generous spirit. They never asked, hey, pay me this amount of money. <laughs> this was all shared freely to give us the solution to suffering. Mm -hmm. And the goal is being immersed in your true nature, 
which you can only get by being focused, whether it's on Ishwar, your spiritual tradition, your path, your higher self. It's being focused, like you said, is just being immersed in that. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The end of suffering is not the comfort zone that we're normally seeking. Exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's a different comfort zone that's the antithesis of the comfort zone we're holding on to. Exactly. It's <laughs> mind-blowing. When you think about that, that is mind-blowing because <laughs> the natural pull is to the comfort zone, right? Yeah, and that's and not where suffering ends. Yeah, It's not where suffering ends. <laughs> the suffering ends when you wake up to who you really are, which you can only wake up to when you are focused on that goal, when you're willing to, to cultivate that self-discipline, when you really look at these kleshas and understand the mechanism of how they work. And we haven't even gotten to the last one. Maybe that's a perfect thing to talk about in another episode where we can get into fear, anxiety, the sphere of death, what is death, Mm-hmm. all those kind of things. Cause that's a fifth clasha, the fifth clasha. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. usually associated with death, right? Like fear of death or giving up this bodily form. But I really think it's the larger idea of, of everything we've been talking about of this letting go of this reality that we have somehow become accustomed to. Yeah. <laughs> right. And when something just shakes or disturbs that in any way, what comes up? Fear, uneasiness, anxiety, panic, all of those things are wrapped up in this concept, this fifth klesha, abhinivesha, fear of losing everything that we know. <laughs> yeah. I heard somebody say that we're not afraid of death of what we don't know. We're afraid of losing everything we know. I think I've I've said that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get into that next time. Yeah, and let's everybody meditate on these points, the kleshas and kriya yoga. This stuff can set you free. It's, <laughs> it's deep. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and will join us again for next week's episode. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast via SoundCloud iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And for more information about everything Integral Yoga, you can go to IntegralYoga.org. Om Shanti.